Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 3rd, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, we've got two more real live football games to talk about. Let's start it out with a game we just saw on Monday night. Notre Dame 35 at Louisville 17. Louisville comes out of the gate swinging punch for punch with Notre Dame, uh, running the ball at will, but they kind of, turns out, only really had that one punch. Uh, in, the, in the second half, Notre Dame pulls away to win 35-17. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we'll get to Notre Dame, the number nine team in the country, that what, what we learned from seeing Notre Dame is the more important national takeaway going forward. But if you're a Louisville fan, I think you're feeling really pleased about how your team just looked at home in year zero under a new head coach after the debacle that was last season. Yeah, you're feeling really good about the potential to make a bowl game this season. Uh, You only won two games last year ago if you're a Louisville fan. Bobby Petrino, the narrative all offseason was that the team gave up on him. And that was proven correct because they have more talent than we thought they did. And a bowl game is very much in the cards for them, uh, pun unintended. And Louisville looks like they could do some damage in the ACC. I don't think I would love to play them. Uh, um, they, they really ran the ball well. I think Jawan Pass will get more comfortable as a quarterback. He, I mean, he, the stat line was not great for him, 12 for 27, 134 yards. But he was, I, I thought, leaves and bounds better than he was as a passer a season ago where he looked like he just, quite frankly, didn't belong Takeaway on Notre Dame is this. If you had them in the playoff, I think you're a little bit concerned today. I know Louisville's a one-punch team, and Notre Dame kind of adjusted, but Louisville ran for 250 yards. And this was a game in the fourth quarter. Louisville had three turnovers. Louisville could not do anything else offensively. Louisville had some bad breaks in the fourth, a trick play pass, just a little bit off target, had to settle for a field goal in the fourth quarter, which is a bad decision to make. I mean, this was this 35-17 is not does not indicate a close game, but this was a close game. And Notre Dame, they kind of got gashed. I, I, my defense of Notre Dame would be that your defense made some pretty big adjustments. 9.05 yards per play on the first two drives for Louisville. 3.85 yards per play thereafter. Um, you, you did go on the road and come out with a you, – you doubled up your opposition – overmatched though we all agreed they were heading into this you kind of sustained you some initial some sallies from a from a team with with some reason to feel motivated and come out and prove themselves and you end up with a 18 point win on the road in a game where you didn't look your sharpest and i don't know i maybe at this point in the season you kind of just are happy with that road win to open the season and you move on and you, you hope that Ian Book looks a little more dynamic, I suppose, as the season goes on. Well, I mean, dynamic. I, he ran for 100, or he, he ran for 81 yards passing. He looked rattled. Didn't look like he knew what he was wanting to do back there. I, I wouldn't be as concerned if, if it wasn't for that they played Georgia on September 21st in Athens. And hey, if you can't stop Louisville's ground game, good luck because DeAndre Swift is coming. And if you can't really get anything cooking offensively against Louisville, um, or at least as far as like if you can't have an offensive balance, good luck too because that Georgia defense is way better. So, and as we know, Notre Dame's margin for error is 
none. They can't lose a game and make the playoffs. So I don't know. I'd be a little bit concerned about them today. Now let's travel back in time to Sunday night. Oklahoma 49, Houston 31. The story of this one, Trey, is Jalen Hurts, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lincoln Riley did it again. Yeah, this story. I mean, 20 for 23, 332 yards passing and three touchdowns. So he he eclipses the the uh, incompletions equal touchdowns thing that we talked about. He rushes 16 times for 176 yards and three touchdowns. He's one of two FBS players in the last 15 years to throw for over 300 yards, rush for 150 yards or more, and account for six touchdowns or more in the same game. The last one was Johnny Manziel. So, yeah, he was the story of the game. I don't know. I, to look like a totally different guy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I think we as a college football media have kind of undersold the strides that he took in albeit limited reps last season with Alabama. He came in in that SEC championship game and he wasn't kind of just the game manager we saw at times in 2016 and 2017. He made some really challenging throws in some big spots. And if you look at his year over year yards per attempt, we go from 7.3 to 8.2 to 10.9 to, and small sample size, but now we're sitting on 14.4 after getting a little Lincoln Riley dust sprinkled on him. And, you know, yeah, I'm uh, now we say all this It's really important to point out that Houston's defense is probably God awful. They were 118th in the country in SP plus last year. And that was when they had Ed Oliver for eight games of the season. So, uh, you know, they could be real, real bad, and maybe it's not the best to form sweeping conclusions about the steps forward that Jalen Hurts has taken under Lincoln Riley at this point. But, uh, you know, you can only play the opponent in front of you, and Jalen Hurts sure wiped the floor with them. Yeah, he could not have been any more impressive. We will see. I did not think it was possible. I, I mean, for, forget the eye test. I didn't think it was possible he would have stat lines similar to Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, and he already has that in the books in week one. And I think there's, honestly, there's still a lot of ceiling left on that offense because I think, I mean, they only got Kennedy Brooks going for four carries. They, they C.D. Lamb only had two catches. I think there's about to be, like, I, I think there's there's room to go for OU. And defensively, yeah, 31 points, but I'm fine with that. Houston has an explosive quarterback, and Oklahoma shut them out in the first quarter. By halftime, Houston only had 10 points. Houston got most of its points uh, in the fourth quarter to, to finish uh, with 14 points there to make it 31 to 49. I thought Oklahoma's defense was pretty good, too. Uh, Houston is, is maybe not as good as we thought offensively, but I think Oklahoma made some strides because I saw, I saw a lot of people, including myself, thinking that De'Eric King, the Houston quarterback, was kind of going to go tit for tat with Jalen Hurts for at least three quarters, and that did not happen. Yeah, uh, Trey, I know you're from watching this Saturday stream. I know you're intimately aware or you should be with what Oklahoma averaged in passing yards allowed last season. Do you still? Oh remember? yeah. No, I, Oh, what, what was it? I forgot what it, it was. It was like 300 something, wasn't it? Yeah. I, you know, I guess 405. <laughs> no, you guessed 420. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. So what was it? What? 167. That's much better. Yeah. All right, Trey, we have some big quarterback news of the injury variety. JT Daniels, we talked about last time, fears of an ACL tear 
And that is indeed the case. He is out for the year, making way for Keaton Slovis to take over as USC's full-time quarterback. Slovis was 6 of 8 for 75 yards and an interception in the second half against Fresno State. Uh, And USC will have to put him right to the test because they've got Stanford on Saturday. The Cardinal have some injury news of their own that we'll get to in a bit, but big blow for the Trojans. Yeah, we talked about this the other day. Uh, Clay Helton can't catch a break. This The air raid offense was supposed to to save his career. It's off to a poor start. Not, not that the air raid offense or Graham Harrell's the reason J.T. Daniels got hurt, but now you're asking, you're asking a true freshman QB to run it. You already had an uphill battle if you're USC. The beginning of the portion of the schedule is brutal. I, hey, man, if, if they can get out of September and first part of October with like three wins, I think everyone would be pleased. But I don't see Clay Helton surviving this. But he did point out the other day, he said, hey, Sam Darnold was a uh, an underranked quarterback recruit as well, which is I guess is true. But Keaton Slovis is a three-star, kind of totally off the radar. radar. Sam Darnold was an Army All-American. Yeah, if if well, Slovis will have a chance to prove the haters wrong. Coming up here, we mentioned Stanford, then at BYU, then against Utah, at Washington, and at Notre Dame. If he if he mm-hmm. comes out of that stretch covered in glory, then I mean he might be an, a burgeoning USC legend. Who knows? Um, let's transition now to a, kind of a weird one. Jake Bentley, broken foot, gonna miss at least six weeks. And this is after, you know, Muschamp kind of went to bat for his quarterback in his Sunday teleconference and in the post-game press conference, betraying no indication that Bentley might be making way for true freshman Ryan Holinsky. And then he Bentley doesn't show up, or he's not at he's not working out at practice on Monday, and whispers start flying around message boards, and then all of a sudden Jake Bentley is out six weeks with a broken foot. It's unclear. If this happened at what point during the North Carolina game this happened, but it does indeed appear to have happened during the game at some point. So kind of a weird situation, but and a Ryan Holinsky, number six yeah. QB in the top two, four, seven. Yeah. I feel like, you know, South Carolina fans that I know are talking about this as if there's like some sort of conspiracy here. So I, I don't know about that. I um, doubt it. Maybe there is. Cause you mentioned the timing. It seems interesting. Regardless, this is probably what Will Muschamp wanted and needed to do anyway. Now, let's be very clear. Ryan Helinski is talented. He's a top 100 player. Hey, Connor, they've got Alabama in, in, in less than two weeks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the timing of this. I know you probably weren't going to beat Alabama with Jake Bentley, but... I can't imagine a true freshman making his second career start against Alabama. And then the schedule gets really tough. Ryan Helinski, we have seen true freshman quarterbacks like kind of take the world by storm, at least in week one. He's going to have the toughest draw of any of them. He does have a week to kind of get loose against Charleston Southern. Maybe potential with Hurricane Dorian bearing down on the East Coast that that game gets moved or canceled. You really don't want to be throwing him to the wolves game one as a true freshman against Alabama. So hopefully South Carolina's fortunes with that hurricane aren't such that that game needs to be canceled or anything. Uh, but I mean, if you're, if you're a South Carolina fan, you're looking up the, uh, 
quarterback rankings from last year's class, and you're seeing Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Sam Howell, Max Dugan right above him getting off to pretty nice starts, and you're saying, why not us, man? Right. You know what's interesting is that quarterback class was regarded as a weaker one. Yeah. We talked. I mean, even two years before the 2019 cycle rolled around, we said, ugh, that's not great. And then JT Daniels reclassifies to 2018, and then 2019 was really just all about Spencer Rattler. And hey, and, and it's been fun to see. It's like got like seven of twelve of the elite eleven finalists from last uh, last last opening finals are starting now. It's a it's a fun time. I think Ryan Holinsky is eventually going to be very good at South Carolina. I, I'm just worried about him uh, mentally and physically getting through the Alabama game. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we've got injury news in Austin, Stanford, and Auburn, and Clemson. All right, we are back, and Connor, it pains me to bring this one up to lead off our quick hitters. We have covered Texas's issues at running back frequently since the dawn of the Morning Blitz, a.k.a. College Football Daily, and it just got way worse. Talented freshman Jordan Whittington, a five-star recruit, will miss four to six weeks with surgery to clean up a lingering sports hernia injury. They are actually flying him to Philadelphia to do that procedure. That leaves the Longhorns with one scholarship running back, Bell Cow, Keontae Ingram, and then to fill out their running back depth chart, they've converted quarterback Roshan Johnson and linebacker David Binda as third string. LSU comes to Austin this weekend. So if Ingram gets hurt, you're an absolute worst case scenario for Texas. And I would expect Sam Ellinger now to be getting 15 to 20 carries, which is not really what you want out of your quarterback. Stanford suffered some brutal injuries in its win over Northwestern in week one as starting quarterback KJ Costello exited with a head injury and former number one top 247 overall recruit Walker Little, a potential top 10 pick at left tackle, had to be helped off the field with a leg injury. We're still awaiting word on the status of both. As we mentioned, the Cardinal play USC this weekend in their Pac-12 opener. The Stanford offense has been very weird and more dependent on KJ Costello last year than you might have realized if you're not someone that follows that program day to day. So uh, definitely some situations to monitor there. Yeah, you couldn't ask for two worse injuries. Uh, it's a uh, ba- very bad game uh, between Northwestern and yes. them, and then the the lack of the lack of clarity on those injuries is, is interesting. Let's get David Shaw to give us some answers. Michigan says star wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones has a chance to play week two against Army. The Wolverines were without the junior in their win over MTSU. Uh, the former five-star prospect was sidelined with his right foot in a boot. For Michigan's new look offense to really crank up, they are going to need DPJ. Amari Rogers couldn't be eyeing a better time for a return from his spring ACL injury. Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney was asked whether Rogers could return for week two's home game against AM, and Sweeney was rather coy, saying anything is possible at this point. Clemson's receiving core is plenty loaded, of course, but adding Rogers back in the mix at the slot would only help. Last year, he caught 55 passes for 575 yards. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. Tell an enemy to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. College Football Daily.